Neuresis Now, 5-Minute Bit. I'm Ralph Seymour, Physician Assistant in Emergency Medicine and Critical Care. Today, we are going to start our discussion on vasopressors. We're going to start with norepinephrine. Uh, norepinephrine is the go-to frontline vasoconstrictor that we use in almost every shock setting other than anaphylactic shock, which would call for epinephrine as your maintenance infusion, and certainly taking hypovolemia and hemorrhagic out of the equation. We don't like going to vasopressors in that setting, but most types of shock that require resuscitation will first call for norepinephrine as the frontline agent. The dose that most sources are going to tell you are you know, 2 to 20 mics per minute, and um, you could probably go a lot higher than 20, to be honest, depending on your institutional guideline. You know, 20 mics, kind of low. You can go higher than that. I've seen people go um, as high as 50 mics uh, per minute, and these are the non-weight-based um, formulas. I, I don't usually think a lot about weight base because it confuses me. I always try to think back in my head when somebody says, oh, the patient's on point three of uh, norepi. I, I, I really don't know what that means. So I have to look, you know, look exactly how much the patient weighs to figure it out in my head because I go with mics per minute. That's what makes sense to me. Now, of course, you're not going to go to a million mics per minute. So there's got to be a line drawn in the sand somewhere with a max dose, but there really isn't a, uh, a true max dose that's agreed upon just so you understand. Now, norepinephrine will increase the heart rate. It has a moderate increase in uh, the uh, the beta one uh, stimulation, so you have to understand that it will increase your heart rate to some degree, but maybe not as much as uh, would a dopamine or an epinephrine. Uh, it does gonna it, it it is gonna have some inotropy, uh, which I like a lot. It will uh, increase some of that squeeze for you, um, and it has some pretty potent vasoconstriction uh, properties. So that's gonna be the main thing you're looking for anyway. Is increase increasing afterload but here's the deal the, the other thing about norepinephrine that you have to consider is that you know when you're giving fluid to a septic patient and then you start your vasopressors early which i always do to try to augment that that uh, pressure and get that map up to where i feel like the patient is perfusion perfusing um you know, what it will do is it will cause some venoconstriction too, and that might get that blood from your veins into that right atrium, that right heart, so that you're increasing preload uh, by use of your vasoconstriction and by giving fluid at the same time. So I think that's how norepinephrine can really help you along with your fluid bolusing is by the venoconstriction properties. A lot of the catecholamines do the same thing. Norepinephrine has the best data, so that's just something to keep in mind. I like norepinephrine. It's the frontline agent, and uh, we'll move along to epinephrine. Epinephrine is a good agent. I love epi. I think epi is a phenomenal uh, presser. Um, the doses are going to range depending on what you read, institutional guidelines, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, 1 to 10 mics per minute is usually the range that you'll find epinephrine in. Now, it's going to have more of a heart rate increase than, than norepi. 
okay? It's going to have more contractility than norepi. So when you're thinking about going to something for an inotrope, I always think about epinephrine first. I think epi is the best inotrope, okay? There is going to be some vasodilation, um, with, with epinephrine because it, it binds to certain receptor sites in the blood vessels that promote vasodilation, but that's going to be offset by the vasoconstriction because epi is also a very potent vasoconstrictor, something to keep in mind. I love epi in low doses in the background to provide uh, some increased uh, inotropy in, a, in a, um, a, a patient that has uh, poor systolic function. So, And I always assess this myself using ultrasound at the bedside. So epinephrine, definitely second or third line, not first line, except in anaphylaxis. The third one that I'm going to talk about is dopamine. Look, I trained with dopamine as a paramedic. Dopamine was always the medication we carried as a vasopressor. But the thing about dopamine is that it's been thought to increase mortality. It's very um, arrhythmogenic. Uh, it causes some tachycardia, tachydysrhythmias like AFib, things that you don't want. So dopamine can be deleterious. But here's the deal. The, the, when I look at dopamine, I'm usually looking at a bradycardic patient that's also hypotensive. I'll reach for dopamine uh, in that setting. The lowest doses of dopamine are said to cause some splanchnic and uh, renal uh, vasodilation. I'm not sure if that ever uh, has been proven, um, but that's what um, they it has always been traditionally taught. Uh, the next thing, uh, once you get above two uh, to five mics per kg per minute, you're starting to stimulate beta receptor sites in the heart, and that's going to increase your heart rate. So I think, and when I'm thinking about dopamine, anywhere between 5 and 10 mics per kg per minute is going to promote an increase in my heart rate. And then once I get above 10 mics per kg per minute, uh, all the way up to 20, I'm going to start stimulating my alpha-1 receptor sites in the blood vessels, and that will cause uh, increase in afterload, increase in my blood pressure. Uh, so dopamine has some problems with it. Certainly um, not a first-line agent in too many settings, but I still reach for it because I trained with it, I'm familiar with it, and uh, that's just me. The, uh, the next... Um, uh, vasopressor I want to talk about is vasopressin. Vasopressin is a good second line agent to keep in your back pocket. It's a something that I like to put on in the background because with vasopressin, you're usually going to start this at 0.03 uh, units uh, per minute and then you kind of leave it there and 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 don't touch it. You don't want to titrate it because it can cause some damage. You can actually cause some constriction of the coronary vessels and the mesenteric vessels that can give you an MI and uh, some mesenteric ischemia respectively and then it can cause translocation of bacteria in the gut. There's a lot of problems with vasopressin um, for that reason so you don't want to titrate it but you keep it on as a second line agent in the background and it can augment the blood pressure pretty well. Doesn't do anything with heart rate. Doesn't do anything with inotropy. So it's not going to give you any more squeeze, but it does squeeze the blood vessels and that can that can work for you if you already have an inotropic agent on board like a um, norepi or an epi, something like that. So the other thing I wanted to mention about vasopressin real quick is vasopressin is, is uh, another uh, medication that may potentially dilate the pulmonary vasculature. So with a failing right heart, vasopressin might be your friend. 
okay? So it's going to decrease afterload against that right ventricle. And sometimes in the setting of PE or um, the setting of a, a RV failure, uh, in the setting of, um, you know, right ventricular infarction, um, vasopressin might be a good idea. I mean, select situations call for uh, different things, but I, I think that vasopressin, a lot of people don't know that about vasopressin, so I wanted to mention it. This wraps up our first segment on vasopressors. We'll see you next time to continue this discussion. I'm Ralph Seymour, physician assistant in emergency medicine and critical care. We'll see you next time.